0: Of the Lord today, Amen. Tell you what, I just need to say thank you again to the worship team. They did an incredible job. You see, Dave's gone; a couple others are gone, and these folks have stepped up and filled in. It did a marvelous job. And and you missed something. Um, Annie was up. Uh, Annie Clayton was up on Wednesday night. Y'all do. Y'all know we do two worship's. We do Wednesday night, and we do one on Sunday morning. And um, Annie was here Wednesday night and did a couple of key things. She got called out on emergency with her job. And so she could not be here, but thank you, uh, laying here, everybody filling in. It was, it's just great. Isn't it? isn't it good? Isn't it good? Come on now, isn't it good? Tell you what, don't miss the joy of being here. Uh, just again, we're going to kind of talk about that today. As a matter of fact, don't miss the joy of getting to be in person with you know, in the house of the Lord with the family of God. It's always a cool thing. Well, today is kind of a special day, um, and special because of what we're about to do. Um, let me just give you a little bit of background. You know, we just finished a series on Haggai and, uh, called Rethinking Church for Today. And one of the key things about Haggai was is that God inspired Haggai to give us all these days that it happened. And it all happened in about 121 days, if I remember correctly, from start to finish, that God encouraged the people to build the house of God. It was really a cool thing that happened. Well, I, I think it would be very appropriate today to give you just a little bit of a timeline over the last several months about when, where, and what, and how it all happened, and including the message today. So anyway, so on March the 8th, we gathered in this room with over 300 people, and um, we had a great celebration as we sent Kim and Chris and Sonny over to Spain to to be missionaries. It was incredible, and little really did we know, there were some rumors, but we didn't know, that the very next week they would announce that they were going to close the schools down. And so we had had talked amongst the staff saying, you know, if they close the schools, it's probably a good indicator to show support for the community that we also go off campus with our services. And so that next week on the 15th, we had about 200 people worship, again, down significantly. And that was an indicator of what was about to come. We met after church with our deacons and determined that we did indeed need to go off campus um, and online with our services, uh, which we did for the first time on March the 22nd. So we didn't know it, but it was going to be 10 weeks. Somebody say, wow. Yeah, 10 weeks before we were going to meet together again on Sunday morning, okay, so we did not know how long, well, the next week on the 29th, we started a series entitled Facing Down Fear, we started that on the 22nd, now imagine this room is empty, okay, there's a, there's 11 people here, the, the tech crew's all that's here, and we were online and on the radio, and so we were preaching to an empty building, but, but we started that series, and on the 29th, I preached a message called Fear No Evil, and it's based on the 23rd Psalm. And so um, we preached that. God seemed to use it in a big way from what we heard. And then I do the Baptist Hour every first of the month. So that was Tuesday, if I remember correctly, or Wednesday. And so I said, well, you know what? I need to start, I need to preach this on the radio for, for the rest of the folks. And so I did that. I started it. Little did I know it would take me five months to get through it. So starting the first of April, then May, then June, July, and finally the first of August. We finished the 23rd Psalm on the radio. And when I got done, I said, you know what, God? I need to teach our people again this truth. I need to preach this truth again to them. So I made that decision. Something I, I rarely, 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 rarely do is repeat a message. I repeat scriptures all the time, but, but not, not messages. And that's what happened. And so Trey was sitting in Brent's office, and we were you know chatting. And um, he said, so you're going to preach this message again? I said, yeah. He goes, how come? And a good question. And I said, well, the reason why, I trade is because the fear factor is as big today as it was five months ago. The fear factor is as big today as it was five months ago. So I think it's very appropriate that we re-preach these truths, re-teach these truths. And you know what? If things haven't got any different in five months, we'll probably preach it again. Because fear is a big factor in the life of our, our community and in our nation. And, of course, even in our hearts often, that fear factor is there. And we need to be overcomers Fear. Now, things are even, you know, you think back in March, and that thing progressed, you said, could it get any worse? Could it get any worse? And it did. And it did. You know, as as the virus thing went along, somewhere months later, a couple, three months later, we had this terrible racial divide in our country. This bigotry uh, in America exploded. And that's exactly what it is. This bigotry in America exploded with the death of George Floyd. And so, man, our country just erupted in in, in protest. And unfortunately, it also erupted in violence. violence. So so we had the virus going on. And then we had this bigotry just explode. It's been there all along. It's been there all along. But it just exploded nationally. And then, like I say, just violence is sweeping across our nation. So when you think it couldn't get any worse at death, and then there's the future. You say, well, John, can you tell the future? Uh, no, I can't. But I'll tell you this, this. This fall is going to be very difficult for our country. You have the election and all that stuff going on. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. So, so chances are that the fear factor could even grow. Grow. Um, again, we are very blessed to have in our congregation probably about 120 people today. Keep in mind just a year ago, it was 320 or 30 or 40 people. So that factor all in there. And, and so we're worshiping online, we're worshiping on the radio, and we're worshiping in person. But I want to share with you today that important truth that God is greater than our fear. Amen? Yes, God is greater than our fear. And I really hope if you'll get the Bible app out, if you've got YouVers on your phone, if you go to that lower right corner, click there. Go to events, click there, and you'll see all the scriptures and all the quotes that we're going to be using today. And really, you need to do this. And by the way, it's live now, so you can save it. Up in the upper right-hand corner, when you open the event, you're going to see the word Save. If you'll mash that... It, now, that's a southern term, by the way, mash. If you mash that spot there on your screen, um, it will be there forever. And I'm telling you, some of the scriptures and quotes today are just things we need to keep readily available. Because if it's not the virus, and it's not the racial unrest, and if it's not the violence, and it's not the future, there's something else that will pop up in your life that's going to cause fear to want to creep up. And to have a selection of scriptures and encouraging quotes available would be a really, really good thing. Well, for the, last, for the five months on the radio and then on March 29th, I, I drug up, um, got on a line, I found the inaugural dress for Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, during his first term. I'm not going to read the whole speech to you. Um, but on March 4th, uh, 1933, we were four years into the Great Depression. So imagine how difficult that was. Unemployment was running about 30%. People are starving. It's a very, very difficult time for our country. And so he becomes the president, and he he writes these words. And I am just I'm still every time I read them. I mean this. Every time I read them, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. Um, so again, keep the app available, and I hope it'll encourage you also. Here's what he said, though. Part of what he said that day, he says, and this is so true. This is preeminently the time to speak the truth. Amen. Isn't it time? To speak the truth. It's true. That's true for the, for the people of God. It's true for the church. It's true for our culture. It's a premium time to speak the truth, the whole truth, frankly and boldly. And then he says this. Nor need we shrink, shrink from honestly facing conditions in our country today. Let's not, you know, let's not be blind and let's not say, oh, it's really not. when It is. Okay? So we need to face the conditions in our country today. Now, what he says next, I'm going to put a caveat on, because he said, This great nation, I, I did Winston, I did my Franklin Delano Roosevelt voice, which I have no idea what it sounds like him or not. He goes, This great nation will endure as it has endured, will revive, and will prosper. Now, I don't know if it sounds like him or not, but it sounds like something. Okay? And I want to put a caveat on that, and that is this. If America will choose to turn back to God, then God can send revival in this nation. But we cannot continue on the path that we have been on and expect this great nation to endure and revive and prosper. I'm telling you, it's time for America to come back from God. And by the way, it's time for the church to lead the way. It's time for the church to lead the way. if I don't get in trouble today, it'll be a miracle. It, it's, done, it's time to get done with the whining and complaining about the way things are and do something about it. And the something about it is to live Jesus, talk Jesus, breathe Jesus, and be Jesus to the culture that we have today in our society. He, he goes on then and says this. He says, so first of all, and again, I'm going to give you a caveat on this one. So, of fact, listen real carefully. And first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Now, let me pause there. Okay? And the caveat is this. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1-7, it says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So it is true in that he asserts that, that we have nothing to fear but fear itself. May I say that is true if God is on our side. Come on. That's a good place for an amen. You know, just to say that we have nothing to fear but fear itself, that's nice nice verbiage. But it really gains strength and power when we understand that God is on our side. Someone once said this. They said, you know, if you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. If you don't fear God, you have to fear everything else. Isn't that true? It's right. So so we need to understand that we've got nothing to fear but fear itself if God is our God. If God is our God. He goes on and says this. I'm going to read the whole sentence again because i don't want to break in the middle. First of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified, unjustified terror. And that is a lot of what sweeps the nation today. Which, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. And may I add. Retreat until revival. We as a church, uh, the church of God, must not allow fear to paralyze us. We understand and we believe that the man who died on this cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the hope. And if we are paralyzed and don't get that message out, okay, then there's no hope for the future. Jesus Christ is the hope for the future. It's not a new president or the old president. It's not a political party, okay? The hope for America and the hope for the future is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Would you say amen to that? It's so true. Now, now, Jesus, if Jesus was standing here, if Jesus was standing in the culture today, if, if Jesus was looking around, if Jesus was to walk down Main Street, if Jesus was to walk down Times Square, if Jesus was to walk down in the streets of San Francisco, if Jesus was to walk down the streets of Chicago... We have in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, exactly his thoughts. And here's what it would be. And see, Jesus doesn't change. That's how I can say that. So he's been out healing people, okay? Been cast out demons. And then he comes to a crowd of people. And here's what he says. When he saw the crowds, and it doesn't matter if they are black or white, it doesn't matter if they speak German or American or or Hispanic, whatever it might be, Spanish, whatever. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion. If Jesus was standing in our nation today physically, and he's here spiritually, but if if he was standing here physically, he would have compassion on the people. Uh, There would be no lecture, there would be no sermon, there would be no psychoanalysis, there would simply be compassion. And keep in mind, a definition I like to use is, compassion is love in action. Compassion is love in action. So he would see this group of people that we call our country, our nation, our society, our culture. He would see them, he'd have compassion for them because he would see them for, as they are. And, and what they are is this because they were distressed and rejected. Distressed and rejected. And that's how the culture is distressed and rejected. Cory Timboon, who was a Holocaust survivor. Great Christian lady, now gone to be the Lord, said, If you look at the world, you will be distressed. Amen? That's true. If you look within you, because you will see your inabilities, you'll be depressed. You'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. That's just so true. It's just so true. So, what would Jesus say? You know, he would have compassion. He he would do. He would love the people. Now, the reason the reason he felt that way about them, he said, in the last part of verse 36, it says, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, sheep are made by God to be led, to be shepherded. Um, the Bible says in the Old Testament, she'll look up the reference and I didn't. Um, but it says, God has put eternity in the heart of man. We are wired for a relationship with God. Romans chapter 1 talks about this. Okay, We're wired. It's a decision that each one of us has to make. To receive Jesus Christ. But he's put eternity into our hearts. Okay, So, so we have this need for a shepherd. We have this need for a shepherd. And when Jesus looked at the crowd. He saw a group of, of people. That were wandering and bumping into walls. And distressed. Because they didn't have a shepherd. Um, Bob Goff said a great thing. Bob's a great writer and speaks a lot about love. And um, Bob Goff said this. The way we deal with uncertainty. In other words, the way, the way that we respond, okay, knowing we need a shepherd, the way that we respond to uh, fear, the way we respond to uncertainty, the way we respond to the future when we know what the future holds, um, the way we respond to that, Bob said, is it lets us know whether Jesus is ahead of us, leading, and I put in brackets, as a shepherd, or behind us, just carrying our stuff. How do you see Jesus? Is, is Jesus, to you, someone in front, leading your life, leading the way? And as a shepherd, you'll hear this over and over again today in different ways. But do you see Jesus as your protector, as your provider, as someone you can lean on to? Do you see Jesus that way? Or is he just a guy you've got behind you saying, hey, Jesus, carry my stuff? Because, you know, we all got stuff. And all of a sudden, we get a lot more closer to God when we got stuff we want him to carry. You know, whether it be a doctor visit or marriage falling apart or society imploding around us. When we have needs, hey, Jesus, carry my stuff. Jesus will carry your stuff. But Jesus is so much more than a stuff carrier. He wants to be your Savior, and he wants to be your Redeemer. He wants to be your Savior, and he wants to be your Redeemer. So so that leads us into this incredible psalm, Psalm 23. Unfortunately, we're too familiar with it. That takes away and robs of its power. Unfortunately, we see it so often at funerals. We've almost made a funeral scripture, and so much not that. Okay? But he starts out, and there are five words in in verse number one, the first part, that are just loaded with truth. The Lord is my shepherd. There are three words there that you need to circle in your Bible or highlight in the Bible app or tattoo in your hand. Either one. Okay? The Lord, that's the one, the Lord, Lord, is my personal shepherd. Those are three words that are pregnant with meaning. Those are three words that we really need to fully understand. Again, all of us are wired so that we will need a shepherd. So David, as a shepherd, as a shepherd, said, Let me tell you who my shepherd is. My shepherd is Jehovah God. Now that like that's so good. See, unfortunately, if we were if we were in Africa and we'd never heard the gospel before. Okay, we had some kind of aspect of who God might be, and you know, and and a preacher stuff and said that you know David said that God is my shepherd. They go, "Wow, we need to regain the wow factor." That's a good place to say, "Amen." We need to regain the wow factor. Listen, listen, Joe, Creator God, and I happen to know you personally. I know your salvation experience. Creator God is your shepherd. The Creator God is your shepherd. That's incredible. And notice that David didn't say, you know, the Lord is a shepherd. He could have said that, and it would have been true. Now, he could have said the Lord is the shepherd, and that would have been true. It would have been near as powerful, but he doesn't. He says, God is my shepherd. Now, does it not blow your mind? Am I the one that's getting my mind blown today? I mean, does it not blow your mind that Creator God... Can be your shepherd? That you can have this incredible personal relationship with the God who created it all? Do do you have have this incredible relationship with the God that's more powerful than anything you're going to face ten times over, a hundred times over, a billion times over? Do, do, do Do you blow your mind that you can have a personal relationship? With a God that loved the world so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a Roman cross so that people like me and you could have a relationship with him? Does it blow your mind It ought to. It ought to? It ought to? The Lord is my shepherd. And then I got to a stop when I was studying for this thing. And I said, you know, I don't know if this is a little reverend or not. I don't think it is. But, you know, God's like a Swiss Army. Is gonna work. <laughs> well, you know, you can carry. A, I know some of you guys, I know some of you guys in here. They don't trust me with a pocket knife. They don't trust me with power tools either. You know, if, it, if it's got a cord, I'm not allowed to use it. Okay? But some of you guys have a pocket knife, and so you pull your pocket knife out, and it's got one little blade. Okay? Now, now when I say this, you know, y'all some of y'all, how many of y'all know what a Swiss Army knife is? Oh, yeah, cool. Okay. Well, you know, you can get some that have like 20 tools on it. So you start pulling out different things, and there's a they – they've got a wine opener on it. There's a wine opener, and there's a little saw, and there's, a, there's of course, a blade. And then there's a screwdriver and a fillet screwdriver and a pair of scissors, and on and on and on the list goes. Yeah, and a pocket knife is fine. But, man, a Swiss Army knife, that's good. Now, in the case of a Swiss Army knife, okay, it's not perfect. I mean, you get a screwdriver, but it's really not much of you get a pair of scissors It'll do an emergency But it's really not much a pair of scissors Well see God Is like a Swiss army knife Except for He's perfect in every way see, see here's what I like about this Without violating scripture We can say this So let's say Let's say that you're, you're in need you're, you're sick today Okay You can, you can say The healer is my shepherd. Maybe maybe you're here today and you've fallen back into sin and you just need to know the Redeemer, the Forgiver, the Grace Giver is my shepherd. Maybe you're like Hannah and, and you wanted so much to have a child and Hannah cried out for the first time in the Old Testament and cried out, Oh Lord of Heaven's Armies! Sometimes we need a mighty God and so we say, The Lord of Heaven's Armies is my shepherd. Perhaps today, things are lean in your life. And you need to say, the provider is my shepherd. See what I mean about army, just army guys? God is so much. God is so much. And whatever, listen, as a believer in Jesus Christ, whatever need you have, he is sufficient. Come on. Whatever need you have, Christ is sufficient. Now. You say, well, I need God's not my shepherd. I need, I need something a little tangible. I got money. I got lots of money. So you would say, money is my shepherd. Well, there's about two things you need to know about money. One, it's woefully inadequate as a shepherd. And two, it cannot meet needed. Tell you what, you go ahead and get diagnosed with terminal cancer, okay, and you run down to the bank and get your money. And you put it on an altar and you just bow down and start praying, oh, money heal me. And guess what? You're going to come up woefully short. Wolfly short. You, you can go and take that money and lay it at the doorstep of Mayo Clinic. And they may be able to heal you, but they may not. See, other shepherds don't meet the need. Other shepherds are woefully inadequate. But not God. No matter what the need, His grace is sufficient. And then no need. It's a toy store. And you walk in and say, I want this one, and this one, this one, and you'll medically in. Come on. You know better than that. But His grace is sufficient. If He chooses not to heal you here, He'll heal you there in heaven. I guarantee you that. Guarantee that. So this, these words are just, just so pregnant with meaning. Choose your shepherd carefully. Choose your shepherd carefully. David said, to the Lord, Jehovah God is my shepherd. Yeah, Jesus described himself. Listen to this. John 10, 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How's that for a shepherd? See, a shepherd, even in David's time, a shepherd would be willing to die for the flock. I want you to know that Jesus, not only was willing to die for you, he did die for you. Would your money die for you? Would your pride die for you? Would your prestige die for you? Would your power die for you? Would your toys die for you? Would your fancy stuff die for you? But Jesus did, Amen. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I want to tell you this: your greatest need this morning. You see, that's pretty presumptuous, Dwayne, for you to say my greatest, your greatest need. Well, actually, Jesus said it. I did. Your greatest need is for a shepherd. If you're here today and you've never, you may have tried religion, you may have tried denomination, you may have tried going to church. All those different things, inadequate, inadequate, inadequate. But I'm telling you today about a man who loved you so much. Left the wonders of heaven, came down, virgin-born, lived a perfect life, willingly died on Roman cross. They put him in the grave to prove that he was dead, and then he got up on the third day to prove he was the son of God. It's all about proof. It's all about proof. That sleep number mattress thing. Are you saying that this thing will make me sleep better? You know, I'll prove to you. I'm telling you, the man who died on this cross has got the proof. They killed him, they buried him, and he came back to life to prove he was the son of God. He is the good shepherd. Watchman he watch when he was a Chinese theologian and said, it doesn't mat- it does not matter what your personal deficiency. You know, what, what do you have in your life today that your atomic bomb wasn't an affair? Was it did you go to prison? Was it a drug habit, pornography habit? What is it that was your big deal? You know, you know. what he says, it does not matter what your personal deficiency and whether it was 101 different things. It probably is and was. He goes this. God has always one sufficient answer. His son, Jesus Christ. And he's the answer to every need. He's the answer to every need. Jesus, look at me. I hate the sound of the preacher. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer for our country. He's the answer for the world. But He's the answer for your world. And, and again, if you're still wrestling the fear of all life, not just the virus, all of this, if you're still wrestling the fear of all of this, he's able. He's able. He can handle it. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Isaiah 40, 11, The prophet paints a beautiful picture of the love of God. He says, God tends his sheep like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have the Is the Lord your shepherd? Key question. Is the Lord your shepherd? Not being Baptist or Methodist or Pentecostal, whatever you claim to be. Not the fact you go to church. Not the fact you write checks. Is the Lord your shepherd? And like I said earlier, and I I'm repeating myself, you know, he says in the second part of verse 1, I shall not want. I shall not want. When Jesus is your shepherd, your want level plummets. When Jesus is your shepherd, your want level plummets. Let me put it another way. Um, whoever your shepherd is determines your lack level and your contentment level. If if Jesus is your shepherd, you can say with David, I shall not want. I shall not want. If anything else is your shepherd, you simply remove one word and you say, I shall want. Because any other shepherd will leave you wanting. Any other shepherd will leave you wanting. Any other shepherd will leave you wanting. But when we have Jesus... Well, you're here to again in a moment. Jesus is enough. In Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And that doesn't mean you follow Christ and you never get sick. And it doesn't mean you follow Christ and you've got all the money you need. It's according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He, he, He repays in the currency of heaven. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes that is a mysterious check that shows up in the mail. But sometimes it's peace in the midst of your greatest storm. The doctor gives you the worst news possible, and somehow you've got this peace in your heart. I shall not. <coughs> Max LeCato said, you have a God who hears you. you know, did you know when you talked to him? First off, did you know you talked to God? If you're his child. Did you know that you'll never get a phone answering machine when you call God? Did you know, did you know that you'll never get the phone tree? Thank you for calling God. Press 1 for prayer request. Press 2 and on it goes. God's never in Florida. The creator God of the universe waits to hear from you. The creator God of the universe the creator God of the universe Waits to hear from you. You have a God who hears you, the power of his love behind you, the Holy Spirit within you, and all of heaven ahead of you. Well spoken, Max. He goes on and says this, if you have the shepherd, you have grace for every sin, direction for every turn, a candle for every corner, and an anchor for every storm. You have everything you need. You know, you got, you got Jesus by believing, and now you live by believing. Now, Louis Gigolo is a pastor down in Atlanta, and he said this, Jesus has enough. Pooh just went to the store yesterday, and there are two, two terrible things. First off, she's a big fan of Italian sweet cream coffee creamer. They're tight. Secondly, she's kind of grown fond of Starbucks iced coffee, Mocha she comes way They didn't have a printer. and they didn't have the coffee, and they didn't have raspberry tea either. <laughs> tragedy, tragedy. I'm here to tell you, in God's Walmart, the shelves are never empty. In God's Walmart, <laughs> in God's Walmart, His supply is more than adequate. You know, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus has enough. Jesus is enough. See, we just got to figure that out. We got see. That's what got well, us. That's not good verbiage. That's not what got us in this hot mess. But that's what we were experiencing before this hot mess. We were bound and determined to cram our calendars full with as much stuff as we could get in there, and and we were bound and determined to buy every toy that we could possibly have. We were bound and determined to stuff our lives filled with the stuff of the world. Jesus is enough. Did you discover that in the journey? Have you discovered that? Are you discovering that? He even, well I'm going to get in trouble with this one. He even took church out. Because see some of you, if you don't go to church oh! See, God and church are two different things. We come here to worship him. Amen? But this is not my supply. My supply is the man who died on the cross. It's very important to keep those things separated. So, so Jesus has enough. Jesus is enough. And guess what? Jesus will be enough. Whatever, whatever that future. Listen, listen. Whatever the future looks like. Whatever the future looks like. Jesus will be enough. When you get there. Down to the journey. Wherever it is that you're worried about. Jesus will be enough. He'll be there. And he'll be. Enough. He finally says this. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. He finally says in verse number 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Again, sheep are weird animals. They love grass, obviously. They're grazers. And so they love it when they go to a green pasture. Can you imagine in mind's eye this wonderful green pasture just loaded with grass? And that's your favorite food. And you just graze and graze and graze and graze. Now, Common sense would tell you, okay, that eventually you need to move. Okay, you got to move. Because what happened is, and this is true, by the way, of sheep. Sheep left to their own demise will sit there and eat, 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 and they will eat that pasture down to bare dirt and wonder why they're hungry. See, and that's what I love about God, about Jesus. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You see, see, he leads me to a green pasture But only for a while. Only for a while. And then he leads me to his... Now listen, are you following me? And then he leads me to his next green pasture. See, if we stay in the same pasture, we'll starve to death. And so he leads us to our next green pasture. So it's really important, and I think this is part of the story. It's really important that that we don't get so affection with our green pasture that we refuse to move. Part of the COVID deal was God nudging us. Personally, my personal opinion, we've become too comfortable the way we were doing church. We may have become, in a lot of ways, ineffective in the way we're doing church. And God sent him aloud, you choose the word, because I believe he's sovereign, by the way. You know, he came, he nudged us to a different green pasture. Listen, God doesn't make us. God doesn't waste suffering. God doesn't waste hard times. God is sovereign. God's in control. Not circumstances and not Satan. Trust Him. Trust Him. Dwayne and me, meal will always be easy. You know that's not true. Don't ask the question. By doing this, you can trust Him. God is always good. God's always faithful. And God can be trusted. So He leads us to this next green pasture. And then then he leads me beside still waters. Now there's so many things about sheep that are really funny. You know, sheep will actually look at running water and and die of thirst. They're so fearful of running water, they will sit there and be thirsty and not drink. So that's why it's important when David said, as a shepherd, you know, my, my, my father leads me beside still waters. Because he knows that I'm fearful, and so he leads me to a place where I can freely drink. I think part of the problem and part of the things that God was trying to show us is that we needed a Sabbath. We needed a busy detox. We needed to slow down. So he led us to a more peaceful river to drink at. Brent, will you help me keep track of time Well, I just need, need me mindful time. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Okay, but you remember, you know the story. If you don't, I'll tell you later. Um, but the song of it is well with my soul. When peace like a river, that's what he's talking about. He leads me beside still waters. When peace like a river tendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou has taught me to say. It is well. It is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul? And this hot mess whether it be the virus or the the unrest or the violence or the uncertainty, is it well with your soul? Because with God, it can be With God, it should be if you're a child of his. It is well with my soul. Solomon, one of the smartest guys in the world, said this in Ecclesiastes 4.6, Better is a handful of quietness. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full and striving after the wind. Better is one handful of Jesus in peace than the way we cram our calendars and world full. Sometimes more is just more. Sometimes more isn't it better, it's just more. And Solomon was right. And then he said, he restores my soul. He restores, he refreshes my soul. Um, I, I walk in the mornings, you know, up to four miles, and I get back and I'm drenched, and we got this thing called Powerade Zero. And we keep that sucker in the bottom shelf. Did you know the bottom of your shelf is cooler in your refrigerator than the top shelf? Oh, yeah, yeah. Keep your milk on the bottom shelf. Peter butter jelly, cold milk, can't be there. So you got this Powerade. And I come back. scripture we're familiar with, but it's so good. You know, I want you to just imagine with me, okay? Here's Jesus. It's just you and him. It's just you and him. And Jesus says, hey, come to me. Imagine that. The man who died on the cross, that loved you so much, says, come to me, all of you. You or you or you or you. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Because I know you're weary and burdened. I know you're weary My yoke upon you and learn from me because i am lowly and humble in heart and here's the picture in the olden days and probably in parts of the world today they had a wooden ox yoke and they would put the, the mature strong oxen in this side and they would bring a young young oxen who didn't know and didn't learn and had not learned yet and put him in the other side and the thought and the idea was, as they were yoked together, the large oxen would teach the younger oxen how to do it. You got the picture? Now look what Jesus just said with that picture in mind. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. you know, you know what Jesus is saying today? He's saying, get in the yoke with me. Hey, come walk with me. Come come learn from me. The Son of God, the one who died for us, invites us into the yoke with him to walk with him. And then he makes this incredible promise because he says, because I am lowly and humble in heart and you're going to find rest for your souls. Come walk with Jesus. This listen, this may be something we know, but I know we don't practice it well. I don't practice it well. Come on with me. Let me teach you. Let me, sh- let me show you how to do it, because we don't know how to do it. How do you know we don't know how to do it? Because I know us pre-COVID, and we are working and running ourselves to death. That's how this part of the y'all don't do it well. That's why. I want to give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Come to me. Tom Holliday, Holliday and he's, a, he's a teaching pastor at that Church, says, a vacation for your soul happens when you stop trying and start trusting God. A vacation for your soul comes when we stop trying and start trusting God. One of those old, old hymns we sing sometimes. "Old soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. And life more abundant. course goes something like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. I think I said Wednesday night, I get mixed up what I said and what I didn't say. It may have been even last week. But the greatest tragedy of all of this, it was last week. The greatest tragedy of all of this is going to be if we don't learn what God wants us to learn and do what God wants us to do. He
1: doesn't.
0: He said every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of love. God's in the business of glorifying his name and doing good for you. So no matter what it looks like, if you say, Dwayne, this does not look good to me, this doesn't look good, Dwayne, no matter how it looks. Now, if you got the wrong shepherd, it'll trick you. But if you got the Lord as your shepherd, no matter how it looks, you can take one thing to the bank. His glory, you're good. His good, you're good. His good, you're good. His glory, you're good. They both work. Why don't you bow your heads? First off this, the first image. Jesus. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front and we want to talk to you. We'd love to ta- try to answer some questions. I know I didn't get enough information to you to probably make a, a decent decision. But, but Brent, we are supposed to be glad to share with you. We'll put our mask on you know, for protection. But we'd love to tell you about Jesus. I mean, again, I, I quote this first at the very beginning of the sermon. You know, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son whosoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. God loves you. He loves you more than you can imagine. And if you'll trust him, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Like Watchman Nee said, in no matter if it's 101 things or one big thing, he never kicks you off the table. Once you trust him, he's yours forever. Trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. A couple suggestions. Be sure and live like Jesus is your shepherd. You know, there's scripture, Psalm 14, 1, that says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I always point out there is as in Italian, so it means it's not there in the Hebrew. The fool has listen, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Whether the virus or the unrest or the violence or tomorrow. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. Now God, I want to thank you for the privilege of sharing today. I want to thank you for the folks listening on the radio this morning. I want to thank you Father, for the ones in this room. If there's a friend here today who's never trusted Jesus, they've tried religion or doing better, left them feeling empty, and that's the natural consequence of that. Would you just draw them to yourself today? Would you draw them into the yoke with you? Let them become a child of God. I know those sometimes hard to understand, and those are mystical words to some people. But God, you love them, and you want to forgive them. So help them come home to you. For the rest of us who are this thing's not going to be over tomorrow. I missed it in March. I thought it would be a couple months and we'd all be back to normal and it's just going to be fine. Well, everything's going to be fine. But the truth is,